Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're joined by one of our favorite guests, Pete Morrison from RebelsReport.com. Pete, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me on, guys. It's it's always a nice little tradition to come on at least once a season, and I, I really appreciate coming on and talking about these uh, interesting episodes we got tonight. Are, are you trying to tell us you'd like to be on more than once a season? Yeah. I'd have no problem with that. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. I was just... <laughs> well, so... At the end of this episode, we'll ask all of our listeners to review your performance, and uh, you know, then we'll, we'll, just, we'll see what happens. No pressure. How many Womp Rats did we each get for each episode? <laughs> exactly. Now, today, we're going to be talking about the next two episodes of Star Wars Rebels, because they're still, at least so far, we'll talk about it in a moment, doing the uh, two episodes per week, uh, and I'll, we'll talk about which the two those the, the the words uh it's coming it'll Steven, get there even <laughs> that's really okay, not try nice that again <laughs> we'll it's be talking about cool. season okay we'll be talking about season three four oh i can't season three episode four is not correct either we will be talking about season four episode three in the name of the rebellion and season four episode four also in the name of the rebellion parts one and two so uh as I alluded, there's a little bit of a change in how Rebels is going to be airing. So, William, why don't you tell us about that and any other announcements we might have? Sure. So, um, the you might have noticed when Rebels started the season, uh, there were actually a lot of um, airing times throughout the day. They aired it at 12.30 a.m., 3 a.m., 7.30 a.m., 5.30 a.m., 9 p.m., and then released... Um, the uh all all the episodes on uh disney xd disney xd app uh you know video on demand services etc around midnight and they found that these staggered airing times was kind of splitting the audience and making it hard to have a really fun conversation it's already hard i I would say also confusing too Oh, totally, and it's yeah. already hard no, enough. No, no, Tom, yeah, what do you find confusing about 3 a.m., 5 a.m., 7.30 a.m., 9 a.m.? Uh, oh, you forgot 12.30 a.m. Like, too. Yeah, 12 to, oh, yeah okay. and, and 5, 6, and 7, anyway. Exactly. And then Pretty there was like, like 13 a.m., something like that? <laughs> you could basically stay up all night watching Rebels uh, and then watch it again at 9 p.m. And they found that that was just too confusing, so they've simplified it. They've gone down just at 9 p.m., so... It's very simple now. It's easy to remember uh, if you have um, uh, Disney XD or Disney Now, which is the new uh, video streaming, consolidated video streaming service. um, The episodes will go up at 12.01 a.m. that morning. So you still do get it earlier if you're watching streaming instead of um, uh, on TV. Uh, But otherwise... um, Otherwise, you don't really have to to wait, which is nice. Or it's just going to be at one time, which I I think is great. I don't know... uh, Pete, Pete, what are, what are your thoughts on the on the on, on this change? Well, it's you like it? Yeah, I'm kind of indifferent to it, basically, just because the network that it's on, it's not a wide household adoption network, so it's not like it's it's on ABC. 
Um, if it was something that was on ABC, it'd be much more important. Um, and I know this, I had previously been watching it streaming on the XD app previous season. This season I'm doing uh, Amazon. We, we actually bit the bullet and, uh, bit the yeah. bullet and uh, bought it on Amazon. And it showed up before airing, so I'm not sure exactly what time it shows up on there. But it showed up pretty early on there before it actually aired on TV. So You know, that's a good point. I've noticed that too this season. Um, previously, it was always the, the episodes wouldn't appear on video and advanced services like Amazon until... Uh, min until like the the midnight the day after it aired, so it would air at like nine p.m. or whatever, and the episode would go online three hours later uh, Pacific time at least, um, or six hours Eastern. Um, now, yeah, you do, to your to your point, like I'll I'll boot up you know uh, Amazon Video on Demand and it's it's right there, um, at, you know that morning. So that's really cool. You can watch episodes early and in full high res quality, commercial free. So that's nice. Love I, I do like free. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it's it's actually really nice because you get the little header for XD, but then it's all commercial free. But. Yeah, versus like XD, and, and and I get it. Like I don't mind. Like you know, obviously they have to they have to show commercials to make money and stuff. And but um, the commercials on Disney XD were just they're just oh, bad. It's, it's <laughs> they're they're designed oh, for. Oh. Sorry, let me get. They're great for the age they're targeting. They're not targeting us. Are you sure? <laughs> Although I don't know, that Nerf gun looked pretty cool. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, I already bought it. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, anyway, so I think I think that's a good change. Uh, the the other exciting announcement. Um, this was a bit of a surprise. Well, so b- back at E3, uh, Microsoft announced that uh, original Xbox games would be coming to Xbox One backwards compatibility. And as of today, when we're recording this, uh, the first wave of games is out, including. Kotar, Knights of the Old Republic. And so now it's really cool. You can go back and play a game from what uh, 14 15 years ago, something like that. I think was that What year was two, that? It was it was yeah, right, yeah, after, right, right after right after I think it was 2003 cuz uh when you booted up they actually use across the stars in uh like the trailer when you first boot up Knights of the Old Republic. Uh which is really interesting. Um so anyway, it's pay for it's, these? Uh, so if so, you already own the game, it'll work. Oh, okay. But you can buy digitally as well. Steven, sorry. Oh, okay. Sorry. No, that's, that's so exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> oh. Um, and boy, it, it, it's quite the, uh, I really got a hit in nostalgia. I didn't play it very long. I just booted up before work this morning and just got hit by all the nostalgia of playing it. Uh, I originally I have played on PC. Many, many, many fun memories with that game. Interesting memories as well. Yeah. Uh, you want to tell so, us? So, yeah. So I I got Kotor when I got an Xbox, you know, back in 2003 or whatever it was, maybe 2004, because of course that was where all the good Star Wars games were coming out at the time. And started playing. Being a kid, I didn't actually really know how to play like an a real RPG. And so my experience was I you know played through, played through Terrace, uh, finally got to Dantooine, got my lightsaber, and then went to tat- uh, Tatooine. And if you may recall, on Tatooine you have to spend five thousand credits to buy HK47. And because I didn't know how to play, I was probably buying lots of like bad items. And like, I think I actually spent a lot of money on swoop racing and losing because I couldn't figure out how to get that to work. Uh, I did not have <laughs> enough money to buy HK47, which blocked the plot, which meant I stopped playing because I just didn't know what to do. And then six months later, I started over, finally figured it out, kept playing, got to the big reveal, which I'm actually not going to mention because somehow Tom has not not only not played it, but has not been <laughs> spoiled by it either. 
which is uh, well, just but Tom, I don't know how you did I, that. You know, I, I don't well, know. I, I'm not I'm not that big of a gamer. I still have Lego Batman that I bought the That's... DLC for that I've played sporadically. I've got the the iPad version of you know the full Star Wars uh, the the saga that I've played sporadically. I was playing a lot the uh, Lego Harry Potter until the latest update for uh, Apple iOS on the iPad that killed it. And I'm like, okay, I'm bummed. And I'm, I'm not a Harry Potter fan, but somehow I was playing that more than the star Wars versions, but I'm oh. not playing star Wars, but I, I just, I could probably, I have both of them for the iPad. I need to play them. I ha- So I cannot recommend, recommend it highly enough. Okay. Uh, so continuing my story. So I got to the big reveal and then I think my disc was scratched or something. And like the game crashed, which prevented oh. me from playing further for a while. And then the other, this is probably my favorite story from KOTOR. Uh, I'm gonna, this one I'll spoil it for you, Tom. So in the That's final okay. battle, you fight against Malak, kind of the big bad guy from, you know, throughout the game. And yeah, yeah. part of the game's mechanics is Malak has these uh, like Jedi bodies that he uses to recover his life. And mm. I was playing a light side playthrough, and I never saw a need to get any dark side force powers or lightsaber mm. throw. And a core mechanic of that boss fight is before Malak can like recover his life by like force draining all the bodies, you like use a force attack and hit them and kill them and like, you know, save the Jedi and so on. But because I didn't uh, get any force powers, I had no way to actually d- defeat the bodies and thus couldn't actually kill Malak. And so I, <laughs> so like, I own that. You yourself to like three different game blocking issues. I like it wow. probably took me like maybe four or five years for me to actually see the ending of that game <laughs> is what I'm saying. Wow. So you're telling me that if I start now, uh, well, no, I'll be an old fart. Well, I'm an old fart already, but by the time I'm done with the game, I'll be an older fart than no, I am no, right no. now. Well, it Don't took you a... how many years? I, okay. It took me like four I years. Also, I was a child. And... Okay. If I played it now, which I'm going to once I get a chance, it'll okay. it should be significantly faster. Don't worry. All right. Well, I'll, <clears throat> I, I'll try to play it. The summary of all this is KOTOR is an amazing game. It is That's what I keep probably hearing. one of the best classic Star Wars stories that has ever been created. And one of and the best, you play I, I would it, say... Sorry, go ahead. No, go continue. I would argue it's one of the best video games of all time, period. I... Um, well, I yeah, yes and no. That one I'm not as convinced on. The mechanics are a little clunky. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's definitely a uh, a product of its time. Uh, like going back, you can see how dated it is. But yeah. just in terms of the story and the gameplay and a lot of the stuff that they they did at the time, it's it's still one of the best. It's what, it's one definitely of one of the best uh, game stories ever told. I would say, yes. and I cannot recommend it highly enough. Everyone, go and play this game. Stop listening. It's really cool. Spend, yeah, it, it's about 30 hours, I think. So depending on how much side content you do. So stop listening. Come back in 30 hours and you know, we'll be done. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll yeah, be now I really want to go back and replay replay the game. Uh, Pete, Pete, you said you'd played it too, right? I played a little bit of it. I played, I played the second game more than the first game. So I never – I'm oh, sort okay. of in between Steven and Tom. I, I've played it yeah. enough to get like partway through the game, but I never got to the ending. And I I don't yeah. see myself spending thirty hours finishing it now, so it is a long game. 
But man, Kotar is calling to me. I, I'm more of a oh. super Star Wars kind of guy than a than a Kotor kind of guy. <laughs> yes. I and I'd rather have a Republic Commando or uh, Republic Commando Starfighter. That was like a yeah. lot of really great. Yeah, even uh, Dark it? Forces. Yeah. I played through Dark Forces and I love Dark Forces. It was a good time. Yeah. It was. But you know what was what also was a good time? Tonight's episodes. Tom, uh, tell us a bit about them. Okay, well, we are going to be reviewing... As Steven shakes his head at me. <laughs> I was well, absolutely shaking my head at that. But that was... I, I'm going to call it a pitiful attempt at a segue. What do you mean pitiful? I thought that was I thought that was one of the most well-played transitions into... And we're what is that? Tonight. Hang on a second. I was just getting there. <laughs> Jeez. We all are right, reviewing right. tonight, if Stephen would let me get through with this, Season 4, Episode 3, Parts 1 and 2, In the Name of the Rebellion. The first part was written by Gary Weta and was directed by Sergio Paez. The synopsis for the first episode is, was, as members of the Rebel Alliance, Ezra and the Ghost crew must accept a mission to spy on an Imperial outpost they would rather destroy. Now, going into the second part of the episode, also in the name of the Rebellion, that was written by Matt Minkovich and directed by Bosco Ning. Uh, and then after being separated from Hera and Kanan, we'll get to that when we get into the review, Ezra and Sabine join, uh, basically saw Guerrera, on his desperate quest to hunt down the Empire's elusive secret weapon. Ooh. So I, can, can you guess that there might be some uh, hmm, Rogue One tie-ins in this episode? Well, especially because the episode first part was written by the writer of Rogue One, Gary Witta. Oh, so, how very cool. Yeah, lots of, lots of tie-ins there. But right off the bat, I think we get one of the... I don't know. There, there's been some pretty great moments in the series, but I love... I love the beginning of this episode because I feel like we kind of come home. Pete, what did you think of Yavin 4? Well, I mean, I was distracted by the Mandalorian ship that Ezra comes cruising in on. I love that every time. Yeah. But, yeah, well, <laughs> it is a nice I'm biased. Um, but yeah, the, the establishing <laughs> shot is really cool because we've, we've seen it on screen twice now. Um, but this is the first time we've seen it in animation like this. Um, and And I know my favorite part is the inside, which we'll get to later. But I, it was really cool to see it actually realized on screen in this form. Yeah, and actually, we we can dive right into that as well uh, if you want. I mean, they, I thought they did a really good job recreating you know the Masasi temples and, and base one, and it kind of feels like a major milestone for the show finally making it to Yavin Four, the, the you know the the yeah, first rebel base is. we were ever introduced to uh, in, in Star Wars. There's a part of you that feels it's about time they got to this point. I mean, it's the and it's the final season, so it makes it makes sense. But I mean, I I loved it. and that everything, like even the the interiors, right? Mm-hmm. Were so good. Yeah, the, the anytime we get to see like that command room with the the uh, the maps, like the the glass maps with the the digital green on them and stuff, I I just love that. That's like one of my favorite set designs in all Star Wars. Oh, I completely agree. It doesn't matter if it's in Rogue One or in Rebels, and it really does feel like, yeah. Or like we're we're kind of home we're in there. some way. Our, our yeah. heroes have leveled up. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. it also establishes now that we're home. We also realize that that's where Mamothwa's headquarters are. Yep. So that's the other thing that really makes us uh, very cool. That it ended going. It ended up this it, way. It Definitely, and I like how they acknowledge that. Like at at this point, you know, even four is, has has kind of become the the major rebel base. 
where all the different cells across the galaxy, or many of them, have gathered. You know, they 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 lost the battle um, uh, with with Thrawn at the end of season two, and with Phoenix Squadron wiped out, uh, Phoenix Group, uh, they've they've kind of merged in with the uh, the Yavin Group. Uh, which, which is nice to see, you know, and, and now we're kind of starting to see, oh, look, there's all the other ships that we didn't have previously. And it's just, it's such a cool, it's such a cool. It moment. did make me think about well, it's something. It's not just that. that. Sorry. Sorry? Uh, no, no, no. I was go just going to say, it did make go me ahead. think about something from A New Hope when they're talking about the, the ruins of the rebel base on Dantooine. And was that simply just a small base from one cell? Because if they're already at Yavin 4, it's not, it wouldn't have been a major rebel base, it sounds like. Well, it, it's possible that. Like, you know, Mon Mothma and, and the Yavin group had to be somewhere before Yavin 4, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's it's very possible in my mind that they they were on Dantooine. I always assumed that they were. And that they, uh, we just didn't see them on Dantooine because it didn't make sense for the story. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Steven, you had some, th- some thoughts? I, was, I, I imagine that's, as you were saying, that must just be a smaller or a different cell or even the same cell, just, you know, a little bit in the past. Mm-hmm. It, it almost we, makes we all it... know that's where the rebel base is right steven that's right don't you forget it william over the weekend all right sorry yeah we played a star wars rebellion which is a fantastic board game which uh you know one player plays as the empire the other plays as uh the rebellion which is william in this case and i was the empire and uh i was looking for the rebel base and i narrowed it down to maybe like 10 and I was going to start kind of guessing randomly, see what I could find, you know? And I was like, you know what? What are the chances that William put the Rebel base on Dantooine just so he could say Dan- like, Dantooine? They're on they're Dantooine. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> he was right. <laughs> and William then he- places a different sort of premium on, uh, you know. How- and then he proceeded game. to destroy my Rebel base. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, I lost miserably that, that one teaches me to try to wow the quotes uh, but, but back in rebels <laughs> yeah back to rebels um, you know somebody really didn't appreciate possibly getting a bath some kind of you know well put it this way you know you've got you basically have as as it's established you're going into Yavin 4 inside the ghost you've got the go you know Kanan and Ezra and Chopper and you know, I really love it how you have Kanan turning to Chopper and saying, you know, regardless, you're get, basically you're getting a bath, you know, and Chopper's throwing a fit, as only that's, Chopper can do. And that is Chopper, 100%. Yeah, yeah. But we really get this this big reunion with a lot of the uh, a lot of the rest of the cast we didn't see in the first two episodes. Obviously, um, Hera's squadron comes in for a crash landing uh um because uh, f- of their their mission went bad and we see Hera there wedge was there which is awesome yes cool. um sorry wedge. anytime we see wedge is awesome oh i know i just wish we'd I see him more actually i think that's a complaint with a lot of the characters at the beginning of this episode they were in the episode but only briefly which yeah, is a little you, sad you've got plenty of series left i mean it's not like this is the end of it you're you're gonna know. get we're done with a quarter of the season yeah, but yeah, I'm no, sure every time you mention that, William, it makes me very sad. So please stop. <laughs> it does make me sad too. Okay. Like we just, finished just, watching it on Saturday, and you're like, and that was an eighth of the season right there. Stop. <laughs> Don't quantify it. It's going to last forever. Don't think of it that way. 
Uh, we have seven eights left. No. Uh, yes. No. But, we, we still, there's still episodes to come. Yeah. Um. But no, so we, we got to see uh we got to see Wedge. We uh, we got the reunion with Hera and this is you know the first time she's seen Sabine since she went out to go rescue her family um in the, in the last two episodes and we got a touching reunion between her and 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 Kanan. Uh you know uh Rex is here and we even see Hashtag #hotcallus. <laughs> you know what? Callus shows up plain and simple. Yeah, I yeah, loved just... Dave. Did you guys see Dave Filoni's post? I think uh, so. I think I know what you're talking about. He posted a picture, a drawing of Callus with the question, like with with the 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 caption, "I don't get it," which yes, is just perfect. I, I saw that. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, but but a- after that, I just wish we'd gotten more of him. Like Callus was barely in this episode at all. Same goes for Rex, Wedge, Zeb. So I, I I hope we'll get more scenes. I don't know. Do do you think we'll get more more time with there, with like with there's Wedge? There's plenty for of episodes left. There's plenty of episodes left. They'll show up. Okay. They have to. They they have got to finish the storylines for characters. I, I'm sure we'll get there eventually. We, we know we'll see Rex again because we'll, he'll he gets a character model update. We've seen the concept art for, so we know that. That's true. We um, do get to see uh, uh, Rex. Who may or may not be the soldier we saw in Endor. <laughs> oh, let's not get into that controversy again. Um, but we we do actually have the trailer where we see the uh, attack on Lothal with some Y wings different ships. So it's possible we'll see Wedge again and during that attack, which would be good point. Yeah, yeah, a spot for him. I think that's coming up next week. Sounds like or or yeah, I was gonna say it knows. sounds familiar. Yeah. Um. But uh, we, we Bail Organa is there as well. I believe he's Sabine's father, right? Is that how it works? <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, don't, yeah. <laughs> don't bring that up again. Secret twins and nobody else knows but us. <sighs> Those of you who missed last week's episode, Bail Organa and Sabine's father both look very similar in terms of the character models. I think their yeah. beard is just like shaved slightly different. I just want to say that I, I listened to last week's episode, so I got that joke. So there you go. There's one down <laughs> okay, <good>. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. It is I just on bail for a second. It's interesting because we had him in the beginning of the series and he was very hush hush and very like hiding and now he's just like, Yeah, I'm Bail Organa. I'm here in hologram. <laughs> no, I'm that's part a good of the rebellion. Point. It's cool. That I mean yeah. he's sensed that maybe for some reason he's not gonna have a whole lot longer and he wants to make sure his face gets out there. Yeah. Just well, make sure remembered, he so gets his statues time. of him on Okay, but remember, he will show up in Rogue One, so he's got a little bit more time. Other than, hey, I gotta get my face out there now. I suppose you're right, but but, yeah. but it still drives home. Like you know, you got Bail Organa and Mon Mothma and General Dodonna all standing around that table in the briefing room, and it really is like, like you said, Pete, it's so cool to see that that room. It's so visually interesting, and um, you know, it's it's. I think it's a great setting for just a lot of. If you have to have like a lot of scenes that are heavy on exposition, which I don't mind at all. Um, it's. I think it's a great spot to do it in, though. Yeah, and I'm just glad that we got Garm Belobus in there as well. It was so nice to see him. Oh, Wait, you're right, Garm in there. No. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. You don't, oh, you had me going for a second. I would have been so excited. Why? Why yeah, must you, you make really me sad? Him. It's like I'm getting to the point where it's like re- reaching into the memory banks, going, "I can't remember who he was. Can't remember who he was. Wait a minute. There was only three around that table, plus the, the regular crew. Don't do this." <laughs> Uh, I'm just wish casting and trolling. Yeah, thanks. So don't mind me. 
Yeah. Um, but they end up going to, uh, they decide that there, there's a, there's a communications relay that's been set up in the Jalindi system, which allows the empire to respond to rebel activity more quickly. And so they hatch a plan to hack into the relay with a spike. I love that they're bringing up that term again. Uh, they already used it earlier in the season or the series. Uh, and, and they're going to, they're going to hack into the relay and basically use it for their own purposes. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, obviously the ghost crew is going to do it cause they get in and out like a ghost. Yeah, and she says that very confidently too. It's like General Dodonna, can you sure do it? Can are you sure you can do it? And she goes, They don't call us the ghost for nothing. Although technically they like like skydove down skydive it, down to the Yeah. But whatever. And then I'm on not top gonna of that, argue it. <laughs> well, I know that there's there, there's the, the iffiness because then they had to go low and well, we have to get to that part of the episode though. Yeah. Because yeah, exactly. we're we're jumping ahead because the thing the thing that got me okay, so here you have Ezra's walking down the flight line, going to Kanan because Kanan's out meditating, and there's this little green droid behind him. There was a part of me looking at that just going, something with this is just not right. And you know what? Exactly, because who comes out of that little droid but Saw Gerrera? Yes, I, I, I love this. Th- suspiciously, still not having trouble breathing. No, not yet. I think we'll, I think we'll see that later because... Um... He, he even in the book, uh, Greg Rucka's book, Guardians of the Wills, he ha- he isn't uh, damaged yet. So I think it must happen pretty close to to Rogue One. Um, but he does have his hair now, so he, they you know they're he's getting much closer to his Rogue One appearance. Obviously, in last season when they introduced Saw Gerrera, he did not have his hair because they didn't have hair. He didn't have hair in an early version of Rogue One, and by the time mm-hmm. they made the model, it was. You know, and and they, by the time they changed the the film, it was already too late to update the model in, in Rebels. And so I like how they're you know he's like growing his hair out now over the last couple months, and uh, he's he's looking very similar uh, to what yeah. he was before. But there's a couple other things, Stephen, that that he is lacking in this. It's not only that he doesn't have the breathing problem, but he's not missing that leg. Yes, because exactly. remember, one of his legs is missing. So th- there's still there's there's still room for his story. And He's if gonna have not a lot here. of fun very, very quickly, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I that mean, is, with how many episodes? That's my left, takeaway from this. Pretty painful for him. Well, it's yeah. a very bad week. Do you, do you guys think <laughs> yeah. we'll see that? So obviously, I mean, I guess I'll jumping ahead only in the sense that something didn't happen in this episode. We don't see any of these changes to Saw in either of these two episodes. Do you think we'll see that happen? Like either of his, uh, you know, those things happen to him, or are we just gonna kind of leave Saw? basically how he was to begin like when we first saw him i um that's an interesting question i mean it depends on how much they want to show actually leading up to rogue one if that is the if that's what they plan to do with the rest of the episodes is to get it that close to rogue one i think they have to right where else are they going to do it i think they're they've, they've, they've established now that like they even called it out that he hadn't lost it yet in the episode guide that, they, that he hadn't been injured yet, which tells me like they're definitely hinting at this. The the episode guide teased that you know he was injured with I think it was Geonosian poisoning, uh, or the uh, the not the episode guide sorry the um, uh, DK's uh guide to Rogue One the visual guide thank you uh, uh they teased in the visual guide that he was hurt. 
and uh, with, with Genosian poisoning. And we obviously saw Genosis, but we haven't seen that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I think they, I think they have to show them. I'm pretty sure they there, will. There, there's a line of dialogue we'll get to later that pretty much sets that up as a likely scenario. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I just in general, though, the, the, the whole conversation between Saw Gerrera and Mon Mothma here is, I think, one of the best parts of the episode. I, that I have to agree with. I, I, I think the best thing about this episode was we've always seen Mon Mothma being the cool, level-headed leader of the Rebellion. But in this episode, Saw pushed her to the point to where he even makes the comment because she's she just lost it with him, and he makes the comment, "That's the fight I'm looking for. That's the fight in you I was looking for." He got her that far just to get her that upset. It was definitely interesting to see the kind of again the difference between these two leaders, Mon Mothma, who is not I don't think she's really afraid of conflict, although she definitely seems to be avoiding it, especially in this uh these two episodes, and of course, you've got uh uh, Saw Gerrera, who is the opposite of that, and it's right. It you know we we hear this talk about in uh, in we see it in Rogue One. We saw it in the previews leading up to the season, and I think the obviously the core of these two episodes is uh, Sabine and Ezra. You know, arguably the two most uh, impressionable members of the crew, kind of being confronted with those choices themselves. And what it means to be, you know, one of Saw Gerrera's extremists or Saw Gerrera's partisans and, you know, part of the Rebel Alliance. Right. And this right. is kind and of one of the central at... themes of this two-parter. Yeah. And, and the other thing that, the other thing, when, at least when it comes to Mamothma, you know, it appears that up until that point when Saw pushed her, she made a comment within the uh, ready room that, you know, the Thrawn attack taught them a very valuable lesson. They are not ready for open war. Mm-hmm. And she even makes the comment if, when she's yelling at Saw, if there's any way to work peace, she would rather have peace that way than an open warfare. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, she, at this point, she's kind of echoing what we see in uh, Rogue One with the other senators that are very much of that yes. conciliatory kind of, we'll negotiate, we'll have peace. We we want to do it politically. We don't we don't want to do it militarily. And it's sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say I don't think she's entire like Saw is kind of crazy and he does really bad stuff. But I don't think she's really correct because she's talking about like open army army against army, navy against navy warfare, and that's not really what Saw's advocating. He's advocating an open guerrilla campaign, which is entirely different. And I'd argue the rebels are equipped for that. Mm. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. <clears throat> and the other thing that I really liked with that particular sequence is I actually, uh, so I watched the episode on Saturday and then on Sunday I finished up uh, from a certain point of view, which is of course, mm-hmm. you know, the short story set during episode four. And there's a really interesting one uh, from Mon Mothma's perspective near the end of the book where, you know, she's left Yavin four before the Death Star's attack, but she doesn't know what's going to happen. And she's ma- imagining all these different futures where the rebellion collapses where it continues on without her leadership, where she has to turn herself into the empire because that's the only way to make sure it survives. It was a, it adds a lot of uh, insight, I think, into her character, both with this episode from a certain point of view, and you know, and then Rogue One, and to just kind of the challenges the rebellion is facing at this point before they've really declared open war, before they've really, uh, you know, committed themselves, I guess I'd say, to 
what we're going to end up seeing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I just thought the, the entire scene with her, actually this whole episode with Mon Mothma is just one fantastic scene after another. You know, I, I liked um, earlier, uh, which we, we actually, we, we, we skipped over. Um, there, there's a question on like, does the, do the ends justify the means, which I think is the central theme of, of this, this two parter. And, you know, Mon Mothma is of course vehemently against it. Ezra thinks it might be okay if it gets some results, mm-hmm. which is, you know, something we've seen in his character over, over the seasons. And Mon Mothma and Ezra have this, this wonderful little chat where, you know, Ezra, of course, really wants to go rescue Lothal and, and Ryder and everyone. Um, but Mon Mothma has to explain to him, like, I, I know you want to go rescue Lothal, but like, what about Chandrilla? What about all of the other planets in the galaxy who, that are in just as bad of a spot as Lothal? You know, where do we start? Uh, mm-hmm. And she kind of has to explain, which I, I thought was just really good, uh, really well well done and really well acted, um, just, just in general. Um, and, and then, and then, you know, later on, uh, again, as you guys said that, 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 um, she kind of starts to necessarily, she kind of starts to lose her composure a bit, not in a, not necessarily in a bad way, but, um, that's what saw kind of latches onto it says, that's what you, what, that's what you need. I don't know. I just thought the whole, all the, all the acting in, in, in this episode was, was, was really well done. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. and they he, definitely dialed And up. even the fact yeah. that, like... They definitely dialed it up, having uh, Forrest Whitaker come back and Genevieve O'Reilly come in for Mon Mothma. They just, they just did a great job. Totally, yeah. totally. And and even some of the little details of the scene where, uh, you know, I, I, I like that the concept of this this little droid, you know, R4C2, rolls up in the middle of the roll base and just projects a conversation with Saw Gerrera, not initially aimed at Mon Mothma, though that's where the, the conversation turns but actually in the other rebels and he's trying to convince these the 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 rebels on yavin 4 to join his side by um you know effectively like holding like a you know quote unquote secret conversation with them to try to sway their opinion um which was which was fascinating and you can just see how much he he has disdain for their rebellion and and their their tactics Mm -hmm. uh even calling it which i thought was cool the alliance to restore the republic which we haven't heard in a long time it's the prequels, I think. Um, uh, yeah, I think so, actually. Yeah. The one, the one thing I noticed that was a little bit odd about this whole scene, and I'm not sure if I liked it or if it bothered me, um, is how many quotes from Rogue One, uh, specifically the quotes that were left on the cutting room floor, yeah. all the <laughs> until until you called that dialogue. out. Yeah, until you called that out. <clears throat> all that went over my head yeah i I think maybe i just seen the trailers too much but it's almost like you know uh the the writer of the episode gary widow wanted to like work in these star wars quotes one way or another he's like they were quite cut for the movie but you know by golly i'll get them in the (laughs) in written rebels or something okay but but think of it this way if if he was able to work them in and make it actually work for this story then I think he did a masterful job doing it. If he worked yeah. them in, oh no, it was just yeah, yeah. I thought it, it was it, great just to throw them in there. Like, yeah, trailer I, line, that's trailer line. That's trailer line. <laughs> yeah, but he also also realized for a guy like me who did watch the trailer like crazy to have that go over my head that he used those exact same lines that ended up on the cutting room floor. Then he did a good job because until you brought that up, it went right over my head that those were lines used in the trailer. 
Yeah, it's stuff like, you know, if you continue to fight or, you know, what will we become instead of what will you become? Yeah. Or, you know, the Empire reigns over the galaxy. Like, you know, they tweaked the lines a little bit, but you could definitely tell they were they were the, the Rogue One lines, which I kind of I, I think I, I think I really well, I mean, <laughs> I think if George Lucas can recycle anything he's ever thought of and reuse it, I don't see why Gary would. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it makes sense. Right. Saw's trying to convince these guys. He's probably worked up his like his normal spiel. And he goes in and says, yeah. like, you know, you got to watch out for the Empire. His, the Empire his normal spiel. You think this is he's delivering the speech a lot? <laughs> he's going to stump speech. Oh, I think so. He's probably going to every cell and saying, like, you know, if you continue to fight. <laughs> Are we not still friends? You know. <laughs> oh, have they sent you to, to kill me? I, so I will say, one of the things I appreciated is the episode is a lot less uh, Forrest Whitaker-isms, I'm going to call it. The kind of mm-hmm. overly dramatic pauses and things like that, which are probably the result of the breathing issues he's having or intended to be that. Uh, but it it made me laugh the first time, like when we first started talking this episode. I was like, oh, good. They're not going to spend an extra five minutes of time on his you know, dramatic pauses during dialogue. That's probably for the <laughs> best. Well, remember, he, as was pointed out earlier, he didn't have his breathing problem, so it was easier for him just to have a normal conversation. It's true. Um, I mean, it's a little over the top in Rogue One, but and in hindsight, though, I I kind of love those little moments. <laughs> He's such William, a like, quotable guy. That's it's because you have other issues. I do have other issues, <laughs> very particularly around puns and you know things like that. So and quotes. Yeah. yeah, he's got he's gone full like Colonel Kurtz. He's out of it by Rogue One time, so he can <laughs> yeah. play it up a little bit. I don't have a problem with that at all. <laughs> he's got a little yeah. crazy, yeah, uh, just like me. Um, fun fact, uh, R4C, <laughs> R4C2 was originally slated to be Chopper's rival, but they ended up cutting that, uh, from the episode just to, to focus, which I think was the right decision. Although I like how, if you watch Rebels Recon, they have, uh, R4C2 and Chopper like face off against each other now in the last, uh, two episodes, uh, of Rebels Recon. So I, I like that they've like picked up that thread and, and continued it. Interesting. Cool. Okay, so so basically, after the the little uh, incident on the Yavin Four, that's when the episode really kicks into gear, and they're going to Jalindi so they can install the spike. Now, here's the one thing that I gotta say about the spike: when they've set a spike, they've normally actually had a spike they would put into the system. In this case, also being did was have to program something. Well, it was yeah, chopper know, like, too, wasn't there's it? SIM cards, there's eSIM cards. Yeah, because yeah, I think it works. Okay. Because I, because I, I think the last time they tried to install a spike, it was an actual spike they were putting in. Or am I thinking it was a spike in Rogue no, One? But I remember yeah, I think a, it was a spike. physical thing. And well, I mean, if if you think yeah. about it, it makes sense if it's not physical because if if it is, they'd probably the Empire would probably discover it. So Very if it good was point. something that they can sneak in the code, it might be harder for the Empire to find. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair I, enough. I just imagine the spike is just like a USB key that they like stick in. They download the malware. And then, you know, the Empire tries to make a calm call and like I think like jam comes down their screens and then like <laughs> there's like a I was gonna bring in Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And actually that's I'm quoting the wrong movie because we as we will discuss, this was far more James Bond than it was Spaceballs. <laughs> well, that's very true. We have our Yeah. Go ahead. 
No, I mean, yeah, I, I, no, go ahead because I, I think going, I jumped way far ahead. I ended up looking at it in, in it. Because I, I double checked just to just to like kind of refresh my memory, and it's actually less James Bond than I originally thought. But the whole parachuting, really? or not parachuting, like the skydiving scene. Well, it was kind of like almost the skydiving scene from Moonraker combined with the dish scene from Colt and I. Um, I don't know. It, yeah, it, 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 I, it was still a, a, a great shot though. As you know, and then you oh, get yeah. this really. It's Delindy is just a cool planet in general. It was, it was a great shot that was a little bit mistimed in my opinion. Oh, how come? Well, because they landed just a little too hard, especially Chopper, oh. which I did appreciate, which is very funny. When you saw the actual video screen kind of do that little jiggle thing that there was a problem, because that did look like it got jammed. Um, you yeah, know, I thought it was a really neat effect. It, it just, yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. I, but, um, but, but, but before they jumped down onto the dish, though, uh, I loved, 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 loved the scene between... Um, uh, with, with Hera on the ghost as they're coming in for a landing on the planet. Um, you know, Ezra and Sabine are not thrilled with the mission. They actually want to go blow up the dish, not just, you know, hack it and kind of use it for their, their own purposes. Um, but Hera, obviously, you know, she's, she's, she's in charge and she's, she's following orders from Mon Mothma. And so she defends the mission uh, to them saying that it's, it's important and that's what they have to do. But as soon as she's like in the cockpit alone with Kanan, she actually reveals that she agrees with them and she has doubts about the mission too. Uh, and she actually would almost kind of like to, to do what Saw is advocating and, and blown up. And, and I like this moment because, you know, oftentimes a leader has to kind of put on a face for, uh, you know, kind of for the, for the troops. And, and uh, even if they don't agree with the orders they are being given, uh, a lot of times you do have to like say, yep, this is the plan. And like, you know, a lot of times you have to do it and I'll have to do it. Like it works sometimes where I don't necessarily, you know, agree, but you will go like, yep, this is the plan. This is what we're going to do. Sounds great. And then behind the scenes, you're like, yeah, I don't really agree with that, but what are you going to do? You know? Well, the old adage goes that any plan is good for the first five seconds until actual contact with the enemy. And then after that, it's thrown out the window. Yeah. Well, uh, and so that, that, so, in this case. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to that part later, but, you actually brought up a very good point about that because that was something that that and really got you into Hera's head. It's interesting. I feel like I thought it was the season four trailer, maybe the first trailer, where they were starting to kind of imply that, hey, the crew of the Ghost may not all be on the same page when it comes to what it means to be part of the Rebellion as a whole. And it's mm-hmm. we definitely saw bits of that in this episode. And I wonder if that's a, a trend we're going to continue seeing uh, as we go forward. Well- I got I think there's a bit of a generational split going on. Um, you have characters like Ezra and Sabine who have grown up knowing nothing but the Empire, and they they are yearning for freedom. They they don't have the sort of long view of history where there there was an old Republic that slowly turned into the Empire and the hope that that can change again. They they don't they haven't seen that. They don't know that. They just want the Empire to be gone. And so there's an impatience there. I think that's part of youth and part of not knowing anything else. Yeah. It'll be interesting seeing if they succumb to that temptation throughout the season or if uh you know they learn wisdom as it is. Mm. So far they've uh I don't think they have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. very well, uh explosion happy in, in in this episode. Well, they're explosion happy, but it it kind of had to start because right when they get to the relay dish, an imperial cruiser just shows up out of nowhere. Now, this is something that th- – th- this is this is basically where Ezra just becomes Ezra, all 
All right. So the cruiser shows up and he's like, you know, Chopper pats me in and he basically takes over, let's say, control and starts talking to the cruiser to say, you're a little bit early for your, you know, you're, you're early. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't be here right now. And I like how he pulls off this. He thinks he's Commander Brom Titus. This is a name we haven't heard in a while. Yeah, was, which is did, very funny first, because... Was he first the Interdictor Cruiser captain, if I'm remembering correctly? So, Brom Titus, yeah, you're you're 100% correct. He he started off as the captain of the Interdictor, um, and he he lost the ship. Um, uh, that was under Tron, right? Yeah, yeah. So he... Uh, he, he so he was the, he was actually an admiral in charge of the interdictor at Reclam Station uh, in season two, and progressively over the last two seasons he's been like, you know, demoted and demoted for his failures at Ezra's hand, uh, until now he's a mere commander of a light cruiser, and. It it kind of reminds me of um, Derpin and Plume Striker. Say it. That's where I was Wars. just gonna go there. Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna go there. Exactly. You kind of feel kind of feel bad for the guy, yeah. uh, and it doesn't end too well for him, unfortunately. No, um, but you know, I, I it's it's great to see the return of 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 Brom Titus to be sure, and and Ezra trying to impersonate an Imperial officer, randomly picking Brom Titus and having him be on the ship was too perfect. And totally then, left field. Totally unexpected. This is an interesting moment. Too. Sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say no, it's interesting because if you, if you, I was rewatching the episode and Sabine actually has a better idea that would have been simpler to execute by simply just mm-hmm. patching the, the relay back through to the, the command center or whatever. And that Ezra jumps in with his plan to try to impersonate the Imperial, which goes horribly and comedically wrong. But there's, there's sort of an, there's still an immaturity. There's still a sort of flair that, that Ezra kind of wants to show off and, have a little bit of fun while he's rebelling. And Sabine would have had actually the better idea of the two. And he didn't listen to her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally agree. And and that comedic thing when it comes to Ezra, I thought was very funny is when the uh, they had to move the dish and they come sliding down and Brom Titus is like, what's going on there? He sees something falling down, grabs those, those binoculars and Sabine and Ezra stop on the edge of the dish Ezra picks up his his little visor and he does that little dopey wave, which oh, I thought was Ezra. actually quite funny, very very immature, but very funny. It was like, uh, hi, and what is you know Sabine naturally hits him in the arm, and then all heck breaks loose. How did he know to wave? First of all, like you I mean, know, he could have just been waving at the ship in general. Kid. Yeah, yeah, he's a kid. <laughs> That's one thing that kind of. It's honest. It's a it's a minor minor detail overall, but um, you know these ships are not like these ships are giant and they're far away, and and yet they're concerned about them seeing them on the radar dish. I, I would be more concerned about them like spotting them on a scan or something. I, I thought in previous previous books they've talked about how, and I don't remember which one it is, but he talked about how like. You know, on a ship, chances are you're not going to look through the view screens. Uh, in fact, a lot of times they might actually be just TV screens, basically. Um, sometimes the command bridge is like, you know, buried way down in the middle of a ship or something. Um, and so looking out the windows, it's like it's it's cool. And sometimes you can see space, but like it's going to be really hard to spot a little speck of a guy on the edge of a of a radar dish. Um, he had very powerful micro binoculars. Yeah, I mean, well, this is Brom Titus. With the macro binoculars, and if you're looking direct, you know where to look. That makes sense. But like in general, chances are you probably won't 
notice it. It's a little on the silly yeah. side, but but like I said, it's a minor, minor, minor thing. Yeah, it's it, it's a minor thing, but it actually brought something really cool. Again, we get to see the tie interceptor. I think you mean the tie defender. Tie defender. I got him wrong. I'm you were sorry. Close, Tom. The tie defender. Interceptor. Tie I had defender. a tie in there somewhere. You, Tom, you've been demoted to commander. I'm a... <laughs> oh. Great. I'm going to go find Durpin. <laughs> I will say I'm a little perplexed on why the tie defender shows up here. I'm hoping we get a little more discussion on it. Uh, maybe. Why? In... Well, because. So they make a point of talking about, you know, during the battle, the TIE Defender is the superior TIE Fighter from the Empire. But we're pre-Episode uh, 4. Before, it was excusable because, oh, it was a prototype. Now, though, we're seeing mass-produced TIE, TIE Defenders on our cruiser in the middle of nowhere. Why don't they, they appear at the, sec- at the first Death Star? Why don't they appear at the second Death Star? Uh, if they're such a great Same. fighter, why don't we see them more, basically? But I could almost say the same couple things could be said of a few things we saw in Rogue One. Those ties that were on the planet of Scarif, yeah. those could have been sent somewhere else unless they were only atmospheric. Like if you, you well, want think, to compare that to I think the um, big thing, though, snow speeders. The TIE Strikers were, they were implied to be more situational, whereas the TIE Defender, they're clearly positioning as like, this is the ultimate TIE fighter. It's dangerous. You I mean, don't want to be near it. They're just really expensive. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I you're think not going to put your in... most expensive ship defending the, you know, multi that know Death the... Star cost a lot of money to build the resource. OK, they Krennic had to decide, do you put the money into the <laughs> defenders or into the turbo laser? I think we know which one. And did. also and also realize if you go with the robot chicken version of the uh, em, uh, the emperor, I think he probably would have said no, because, look, he couldn't put the money out there you know, to basically cover up a small thermal exhaust port because it was too expensive. So why put these tight defenders on the Death and Star? And to be fair, we do know that the Empire was tight enough on money that they were like nervous about spending money on individual lasers. So That's true. <laughs> there you go. Um, but no, in all seriousness, I think um, a lot of times, you know, as we've seen established in, in this series previously, we don't see X-Wigs um you know in like season two and three for example why Mm -hmm. not because they don't exist in the galaxy but because this particular rebel cell doesn't have them uh and i think that's probably the case on a lot of like these tie defenders are really new they are being built on lothal and it's possible that we'll see that you know maybe they do something to stop the factory on lothal or that would actually make me incredibly happy to see because i think that would be a great explanation of hey we introduced a ship that's a super powerful, and this is also a way of giving, uh, you know, our our cast of characters a victory, even when you know they they might otherwise have failed. Yeah, and the, I think the easiest explanation is just that it's it's uh, Thrawn's pet project, so it's probably being tested and deployed in his fleet, and so that you could just assume that the the relay is within his his fleet's area of patrol. Yep, totally. That makes sense. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, I, I, I liked the uh, the little the, the fight on the uh, edge of the radar dish uh, with with the stormtroopers. You know, they 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 hop out of the hatches and um, Sabine. I think it was Sabine, right? Has the has a great idea to basically have Chopper rotate the dish, and so 
the, the ground is basically shifting well under them it, as they but... move. I mean, it stopped the stormtroopers. Great idea for one side, not so good for the other because something happened to the stormtroopers that was actually very dark. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's well. G- yes. <laughs> Well, just, just yeah. I mean, it, it he rotated it enough to where you've got Sabine and Ezra sliding off the edge. Sabine was able to stop herself, grabs Ezra at the last minute, and you get this really nice wide shot of the two of them standing on the edge of the dish on their little itty bitty platform that they're at, and here come tumbling three stormtroopers right off the edge. I love the yeah, scream was, uh, as they fall over. Yes, <laughs> I'm gonna choose to believe that they were saved by a jetpack or, you know, maybe a tie defender caught Womp them. Rats. Womp rats could have caught them, you Womp know, rats. forming a big chain. Uh, Cause yeah, that was yep. a poor stormtroopers. It, it's funny that you, you bring up jetpacks though, because Ezra and Sabine have jetpacks on at this point, but they're like worried. They're acting like, Oh my gosh, if we don't catch ourselves right now, we're going to fall off the edge of the dish and die. But they have jetpacks. And then they, they yeah. also, don't they later use those jetpacks to get to Sagarera's ship as well? They do. They do. And, and they're, they're also true. asking, like, Hera to come fly the ghost in to pick them up, right? And uh, Hera's like, Hera obviously is being attacked by the TIE Defenders and can't get close. And I'm just like, why don't you just jetpack over to Hera? Especially since we just saw Ezra. I don't know. Well, because if they were to well, do that. Well, that one I understand. So oh, go ahead, We Pete. just saw Ezra blow up a TIE fighter like flying with his jetpack, so it's like it's not like it's unheard of that they could you know fly up and go past the ships to get try to get to Hera, but yeah, story. Yeah. That's what the story Very needed. Very true. Exactly. <laughs> Very true. Exactly. <laughs> but but if they were to have done that then you wouldn't be able to see the very good piloting skills of Hera with the help of Kanan fly through that canyon that with all the clouds and stuff. And I thought that was actually really cool that you actually got to see Kanan use the Force to sit there and tell Hera, okay, at this point, turn now and basically use the canyon to dodge the TIE Defenders. And one got destroyed that way, and I think Zeb got the other one, right? Yeah. Or were they both destroyed within the canon, uh, canyon? Uh, I think he got one. Yeah, no, I think Zeb got one, and they were able to, to take out the other one with the uh, with some fancy flying through the through the smoke yeah. uh, and the, the rocky towers. It was really, really cool looking. Uh, and I love the use of Hera's theme uh, in this scene too. Her her theme makes a return, um, uh, which 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 was great. Um, of course, this isn't the only ship we get. We also get the introduction for Rebels, at least, of the U-wing, uh, which comes out of hyperspace, uh, disables the deflectors on Titus's ship, and then promptly goes and rescues Ezra and Sabine. Um, Meaning that I guess it's better than the ghost. Um, hey, they they got it right out of there because what does he throw out the side of the ship? He throws he starts chucking some serious. What, what were those like thermite bombs or something? Yeah. Oh yeah, those those were. They weren't they weren't the little itty bitty ones that uh, Sabine was laying. These were serious four canisters that were just like being thrown onto the deck. Yeah, these are some of the, so, some of the explosives we saw earlier. Uh, I think in like season one. Really? As well. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. Good catch. I, was it was it the planet uh, where Hera and Sabine got caught and they had to be in shade? And yep. were those the canisters? I believe so. I can't. Okay. Wow. I could be wrong, right. but I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure. Uh, but you you never mentioned who their rescuer was. Well, it was Saw Guerrera, and I'll let you leave the other one. 
and Edrio because we didn't we, as well. We, we didn't we didn't see the other rescuer until Saw Guerrero got to the bridge of the ship. Yeah, and I, I and I I liked how they brought Edrio Two Tubes. Uh, that's back not his actual well. name, is it? No, that's, that's legitimately his name. Seriously, Two Tubes. Two Tubes. That's what. That's his name. Back me up well, here, Pete. It's, if he changes his equipment, he has to change his name. So yeah, it is, it is two tubes. <laughs> I mean, he was one tubes, and then he got a gift. Oh with, my! And no, so he, just no, no. Stop. Not working. Was originally in the original, uh, in like an early draft of the strip script, going to be a Klatuinian named Lork, but they realized that two tubes um, connected to Rogue One better, and so they they brought in uh, him alongside. David Acord, who is no stranger to uh, to Rebels, but David Acord, of course, voiced two tubes in Rogue One as well. So more of the I, original. I will say I did like the presence of Edrio. I'm not going to say his last name because that's silly. I agree. Uh, I think Edrio is definitely because you know you see him in Rogue One, and you definitely get the sense that he's an important character in you know Saw's Resistance, but you don't really understand why. And this is just a really cool way of connecting that, hey, the reason he's leading the band is because he's been helping Saw do things like this. Yeah. Yep. Which uh, which was nice. And, uh, of course, as, as we alluded to earlier, the, uh, the, the, the dish explodes, destroying Brom Titus and his ship in the process. Yeah. That, that didn't end and well. Another Imperial bites the dust. Yeah. For sure. And it, it, and here's something that I found very interesting. Hera did try, tried like crazy to get uh, Ezra and Sabine to go back to the ship. And it's like, you know, come on, Saw, can, can I have him back? But <sighs> Saw kind of takes him off on his own into a hyperspace. He's got escape, his own mission. Or however you want to put it. Yeah, on his own mission. He's got, he's going his own way. Yeah. With a, with a very interesting line, because basically it's like, you know what? Maybe they might enjoy fighting with a real army for a change. I mean, Saw saying that to Hera? Uh, it's also kind of interesting because he then spends the rest of the episode, sorry, the next episode, not with, they, they're not with an army <laughs> at all. <laughs> no, no, he's no. an army. He's a one man army. I mean, well, I yeah, he's a one man army. Yeah. yeah. But, but that sets up Hera for being the one that's worried because you know what? You know, <sighs> it's like basically she goes, I'm not worried about where they're going. I'm worried about who they're going with. Yeah. So it's it's now a point to where, if I remember correct, there was a point in which Kanan was like looking at Ezra at a point to where he's got to trust Ezra to make the proper choices. Mm-hmm. So Ahara is now at the same kind of crossroad to where she may not like the idea, but she's going to have to trust them for their choices when they're there. She has no choice because basically it's the end of the episode and you got to go into episode two to figure out what happens. Yeah. Uh, great, great way. I mean, I really enjoyed part one. I think though, part two is even better because. Oh, almost certainly. You know, <clears throat> oh, so we get part, part two is much We get better. even more of the, you know, the, do the ends justify the means with Saw and, and Ezra uh, kind of disagreeing about how things went down. Um you know, did uh, Saw believes that they t- had the best case scenario? Now they t- they took the worst case scenario and turned it into the best. Uh, but Ezra, to his credit, is still concerned about disobeying orders, which I thought was nice. He's mm-hmm. it, it was what he wanted, but he knows that 
you know, maybe that's not that's not what Mon, Mon what Mon Mothma wanted at all. Um, which which leads to this you know this great line: "You can go back to your Rebel Command and run Mon Mothma's errands, or you can help me do something that might actually matter." Uh, in in Saw's opinion, and that of course is. Uh, heading to Theos Station to investigate a civilian freighter loaded with stolen or secret Imperial cargo. I thought you were going to uh, say Saab stolen Imperial data tapes. Exactly. Uh, Saab is connected to what happened on Geonosis and, uh, <clears throat> you know, from, from last season. Um, and uh, he wants to find out what the Empire is building. <laughs> See, I, I think the one thing I liked about this episode, and it really shows that Saw is, in my opinion, watching it, was slowly starting to go off the edge. And and it really, as you, as you went through this mission with Ezra and Sabine, it was like you saw that's how Saw, <laughs> you saw how Saw was, didn't mean to do that, was going. And, and it, I, I liked it. I mean, it was a good episode. That's about all I can say right now you know i i think he's you've got a problem though when chopper is the one who out who votes against the mission it's definitely a little bit on the scary side that is very true yeah <laughs> and he's outvoted um yeah uh if you look closely though you know they had the, the model of a uh, fail station um the the urbish on the side actually says teos station but the uh, they had they changed the name too late in the development process, so they they couldn't update the model in time. Just very similar to the, what what happened with Saw's hair in uh, in the, the last season, which is great. Mm-hmm. So uh, it does. That's the that's the yeah, downside production. of yeah having to long production schedules. So now, what did you guys think of Chopper's repaint? I mean, he wasn't happy about it. I mean, I wouldn't be either if I were him. I, I actually love every chopper repaint except for his original colors. So, <laughs> yeah, my favorite. Really? Though, my favorite, I think, was the black one. The like the Imperial Spy chopper. Was, yeah, the Imperial Spy good. one. Do, do you do you have a favorite? Oh, I, I agree. The the Imperial uh, the the Imperial Spy slash Courier Droid look is the best. But I like this one. It's it's a nice. It's bold. It's nice. I, I like it better than the orange green mishmash. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I'm uh, totally totally on board there. And uh, it they, so they 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 sneak into cargo container uh, into a cargo container so they can infiltrate freighter twenty seven sixteen. And I love the little joke about how they're familiar with the strategy because they they you know they they do that a lot. Um, but they they get inside the ship. And um, they discovered that Cargo Bay 17 is a restricted area. There's an Imperial ship in hold 12 and stormtroopers are patrolling the hall- hallway. So something, something is going on. Uh, yeah, this wasn't a, this wasn't a civilian freighter. No, and something must be happening in the Taunus sector because that's just empty space. No planets or settlements, but the, the ship is, is headed straight there. Any thoughts on the on on the look of uh, the the freighter before we dive into more more of the plot? Uh, it looked vaguely familiar to me. I mean, it looked a lot like a like a uh, I'm blank like a freighter ship, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you're driving at a different thing that I'm missing. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think because 
I couldn't see any kind of comparison to something else within the universe. I kind of kind of got a Force Awakens vibe just a little bit with the <laughs> Rathars. No, I don't, maybe I'm the only mm. one. Uh, okay, I'm gonna have on. to check the ship uh, again. Clearly, I voted on that one. Uh, <laughs> it was a nice try, William, but uh, not everything is a reference to another yeah. thing. Sorry. I didn't say they had to be, but uh, <laughs> but um, the, the, anyway, they 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 go to Cargo Bay 17 with the help of Chopper, and who lures away the stormtroopers, and uh, this is. I mean, wow! I think there's a, there's a lot of really great moments in in, in this scene, um, like when uh, Chopper distracts the stormtroopers. The door closes, and once again, we get the 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 shouts of the stormtroopers through the door. And when it opens, they're they're unconscious again. Um, yeah, I, I think Rebels this season, or the whole se- the whole series, but um, kind of has this tendency to not show us a lot of the the violence. So they'll like cut off the blaster instead of killing someone or they'll punch them and knock them out or they'll try to um spare their life and then proceed to blow up the ship they're on um you know there's, there's a lot of this stuff uh that they've they've done in the past or just you know beat them up yeah it's an early 90s kind of cartoon style i remember batman batman was couldn't well, use bullets and laser it's somebody was using lasers yeah. and stuff like that yeah you know? yeah but the the cargo inside the cargo container inside is filled with prisoners uh it's unfortunate yeah it's unfortunate but they're scientists and they were mostly alien scientists which i also found very interesting because when you looked at you you kind of compare this to rogue one and um urso scientists were all human and you know when it comes to the empire the empire is more human than than you know raw raw human to alien that all these were basically mostly and alien and did we see one of them before the green? Although there's many, no, so the, many the, the tip? His name is uh, I think so. Mitch yeah, Matt, the one that was doing most of the talking. Yeah, yeah so that's, that's Mitch Matt, uh, named okay. after I'm almost positive uh, writer Matt Mikdevitz. Can't uh, imagine why you would think that. <laughs> Mitch Matt, yeah, Matt Mikdevitz, okay. totally different. Interesting. Yeah, uh, and he's played by uh, David Shaughnessy. Um, and yeah, I thought I, I, you know, I liked I liked the whole concept of the the you know the scientists like Galen Urso obviously had to like something had to happen to them and in these in this case these scientists refused to work for the rebellion and sorry for the empire and in return they were they were thrown in prison. Uh, in the case of Mitch Matt, he he was a, a supervising tech on Coruscant Central Power Generator, and he refused to leave his family, and so uh, he was uh, he was he was kidnapped. Uh, there's a bunch of other prisoners too, including one played by Dave Filoni. Uh, there's the first time we ever get to see a a, a male Thelon uh, on screen. You know, we've obviously got Rice Alsant and um, uh, in Return of the Jedi, Lots Razi in Clone Wars, Goody Terres earlier this uh, this in, in Rebels. But this is the first time we get to see you're, you're definitely speaking a lot of words and names <laughs> that I probably should know and don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I just love the concept overall and, and how this is more closely tying into uh, Rogue One. We even got a name drop. Well, we kind of got two of them. I mean, I think Krennic was mentioned and also the Jetta system was mentioned because that's where these prisoners were being taken to. 
Well, no, sorry, no, no, no. The, the the prisoners. Um, I think, or maybe maybe well, I'm wrong. I thought the the prisoners had overheard that the that the whatever secret cargo on was on board was coming from the. That's right. Oh, yeah, you're right. No, you're right. I've got it backward because, yeah, yeah, and so that's right. Uh, this is the first time Saw has ever heard the name Jetta, and it sets up where he will go in Rogue One. He's got a bit of an obsessive personality disorder, as you might have noticed. You think? Well, like I mentioned at the beginning of this, this is where you start seeing him. You start seeing him slowly lose it as the episode goes on, because all he wanted to do was find the empire's, you know, the emperor empire secret. But at this point in the episode, because of the prisoners, Ezra and Sabine just want to rescue them. Mm-hmm. So it's like now now you're just seeing this obsession with him. He's got to know what's going on. And where this freighter is going, it's like he wanted to write it all the way to the end to where that was. What's there or not, he wanted to know. And I think – And he will. And I think that's part of – At uh, whatever the cost. That we uh, – not to get too Freudian or, or psychologically analyze him too much, but he's a guy that I don't think has ever really dealt with his sister's death and his responsibility in that. And so that he's constantly looking for – something to fight against so he doesn't have to stop and think about his own life and what he's done. And it, you know, first it was a separatist. Now it's the empire. And I don't think he can ever stop. He just has to keep going and going and going. He needs some, something to, to fight against always. Hmm. That's yeah. It's a a great, great, excellent, excellent point. He almost needs to take his own advice. If he continues to fight, what will he become? Wow, um, William, that's deep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, you know, I thought it was the moment where the the Imperial Patrol walks into the cargo uh, hold was hilarious. Uh, it's just, just the the whole thing, right? The, yeah. The, the 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 patrol comes in, and so of course, you know, the the prisoners are told, uh, you know, was it. Saw or Ezra says like pretend you're still prisoners and the, the one of the prisoners is like we are still prisoners <laughs> and then they they most of them jump into the hold but the last guy he's like still holding the door when the stormtroopers walks in he looks at them he's like caught red handed and then he proceeds to jump right into the cargo p- container anyway and pretend like they never saw him which is just ah, I thought it was great it was hilarious um. Or, or maybe, no, it maybe it's just me again, I, but, uh, <laughs> no, I'm with you. Yeah. And when they open the door and that you could see the stormtroopers behind the prisoners and they're trying to like move their legs to cover up the storm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, Oh no, there's uh, nothing in here. We, uh, we're totally in here the whole time. <laughs> uh, I loved it. I loved it. And yeah. Um, uh, of course, Chopper leads the rescue of the prisoners uh, to get them into the escape pod, so they can they can get off the ship as soon as it exits hyperspace. I, I love uh, the it, line. It doesn't... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, good. You love the line. What? I was. I love the line where the Ithorian uh, is thanking Chopper because he's a very kind little droid. <laughs> I don't think anyone has ever sure. in oh, a yeah, million years said anything like that about Chopper. Yeah, said no, no one ever. Back. Never oh, wait in two million years would anyone say something like that about Chopper. Yeah, maybe this is the first yep. time that Chopper and had someone say something nice to him like that, and he's going to turn over a new leaf, and he'll be a, a nice, kind, friendly droid for the rest of his days. 
You know, and you know what, Pete? Pete? If you really believe that, no, I have Dave, some lovely land on Dagobah I'd like to sell you. Dave Dave Filoni has often talked about how Chopper doesn't have an arc. But you know what? Maybe this season he will have an arc. Maybe he will actually progress his, Can, his, his is story. This is season that Chopper no. discovers the meaning of friendship. Basically. No. Basically. No. Uh, no, they can't. <laughs> they can't. I mean, Chopper's got... Out of all the characters, Chopper has one of the most unique personalities for a droid. They cannot change that. Well, and there's so many other great moments too. Like, you know, later they when when they realize that the the escape pods are being launched, Chopper gets them out, and um, you know, one one of the 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 prisoners is like, I think I'll go back to the container now, and Chopper like just pulls him face to face and like scolds him. Uh, <laughs> and a, a a bit later, he you know jumps at one of the stormtroopers as they're trying to escape on the ship like shocks one of them and then like flies into the other's face and like rotates his his little you know uh, appendages around so fast he's like slapping the stormtrooper over and over and over it's pretty great character growth he got character growth kind of maybe yeah. sort of yeah um this though is when things start to get interesting um while they're sneaking down the hallway trying to, you know, get the ship out of hyperspace. Ezra hears a, a sound uh, calling to him, like a, almost like a song. And mm-hmm. what did you guys, what did you think was going to be in the epi- in, in behind that door before they opened it? Anything? Well, not what I expected. No, so you, you weren't not expecting it at all? Well, um, when, okay, well, when the door opened, I really didn't expect to see a group of death troopers. Um, yeah, didn't, didn't expect that part at all, but, um, what was found later was basically explained away with Ezra mentioning that when he originally built his lightsaber, the, what would call to him. So that explained away the singing and why he was the only one that was able to hear it and not saw or Sabine, which basically the death troopers were, were, um, guarding a kyber crystal, a rather large Kyber yeah, crystal. that's for sure. He, he, thoughts on the scene? If you go back to the Clone Wars, the the Kyber crystal was called to all the uh, the Jedi younglings when they went to it. So as soon as yep. that that music played and you saw Ezra's reaction and no one else reacted, that's what I figured was gonna we were gonna see because we've already had him established in the show. Yeah, I kind of forgot about that so, until we mentioned yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and, and the whole scene with the Death Troopers in general was just I thought that was my favorite scene of the of the episode. Um, the the question I want to ask you guys, um, what did you think about the the commander DT uh, DT F sixteen that you could actually hear the voice compared to Rogue One, where it was more of a sound coming out of them instead of an actual voice like a stormtrooper? Did did you find that interesting? So I give them a lot of points. There's a scene where uh, the commander is talking to someone else through the comm, and there's a very di- like the voice comes through very clearly. So it's obviously just right. something that, you know, they do for intimidation. I, I didn't really like it in, uh, when we first saw it in, uh, rogue one. And I still don't really like it to be honest. It just, it feels, hmm. I don't even know how to describe it. it. It feels muffled. Like it's an accident. You know, there's ways of making, you know, Darth Vader's voice sounds intimidating when it comes through, you know, his helmet. These are just like, right. 
<laughs> like, okay, you're sorry. That was my impression. Uh, actually, sorry. Maybe I take it back. There is a Spaceballs reference here. It reminds me of the radar guy. Rebel the radar, sir. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. I'm trying to remember his name. Like, it's his actual name. It's ve- I yeah, know who you're talking like, about. It, it's unnecessary. And it just feels like it's confusing. And why would anyone ever actually want to use something that is designed that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely different than I was expecting. Uh, I know we, we'd heard something somewhat similar, but without actual words spoken in, in Rogue One. Um, uh, but, you know, it, it, I, I liked having Jennifer Hale return to uh, Star Wars animation. Oh, was that really Jennifer Hale? Uh, yeah, speaking wow. of uh, that is, um Yeah. The Force yeah. fights with her. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually liked exactly. it, too. I, it reminded me of Phasma. So I was, that's where my head went. Mm-hmm. Sort of the British accent with the female <laughs> voice. And... Mm-hmm. It was funny. One friend was like, is that Phasma? And I'm like, no, no it's a little, too, a little too early in the timeline. But definitely kind of uh, similar, similar vibe, I think. Um, but the the whole scene in general, like where they, you know, Sabine throws in the smoke grenades, and I just I loved the scene where Ezra saw and Sabine are sneaking through the smoke, taking out the Death Troopers, whether they're like jumping up, jumping behind them, and like, you know, uh, kind of getting them in like a chokehold and knocking them out, or mm-hmm. you know, saw hiding behind the body of a of a, of a stormtrooper and almost killing uh, a DT F sixteen. I thought it was just like one of the one of the coolest scenes of the season. It kind of so makes the, uh, oh, yeah. the the Rogue One crew seem kind of like they got punked by the Death Troopers pretty hard, though. If these three can take the Death Troopers out so easily, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you know, good point. That's a good point. Well, maybe it was their first time in actual battle. You look at it that this way. Was, this was the A team, maybe, yeah. and or maybe the sorry, the other one was yeah, the A team, no, and this point. was the B team. Hmm. I mean, of course, Krennic would have his the best be his personal guard. Naturally. Yeah. Um, but I think one of the things this episode did really well is just tie, you know, tie it into Rogue One. And a big part of that is the Kyber crystals. And, yeah. you know, Saw Gerrera well, and this Saw. Point in this episode. Yeah, well, exactly. And he comes to the realization that they're trying to weaponize the, the crystals. And, uh, and, you know, he needs to follow it to its ultimate destination. Um, whereas Ezra and Sabine want to just destroy the crystal, rescue the prisoners, and call it a day, and that's when, like, you know, they they went to the the engine room to to drop the ship out of hyperspace. When Saw Gerrera shows up and just blasts them with his his blaster on stun, like my jaw was on the floor. I was not expecting that at all. You didn't expect Saw to betray them? No, I I mean. Not really. I mean, he wow. kind of had that suspicious oh. look, but I don't know. Maybe later. I, just the way it was shot and everything, it was. I thought it was, it was well done. No, I, I, I expected him yeah. to betray them. Yeah, yeah. Because basically, he had one mission. He wanted to get to that place where that transport was going. They was mentioned earlier. They just wanted to rescue the hostages at that point. You and and again, you could tell that this was an episode which you could see Saw slowly going toward and moving toward how he was in Rogue One. And Saw's stupid because so. <laughs> Ezra and Sabine's plan. Well, then, well, 
No, good point. Like, so no, it's a good they've point. already established the being establishes that it's an empty where they're going, where that's going is empty space. There's nothing there. So they could destroy the crystal, rescue the people, and then still go check out the system. And if they're building something giant out there, they're probably going to find it if there's nothing else there. <laughs> exactly. So, like, he's just so focused yeah. on, like, no, what I think is right, we're going to do it my way, that he's not really thinking clearly and logically about what's actually going on. Yeah. Well, I think, like, at this point, the Empire knows that the that the rebels have found uh, the kyber crystal. Actually, we'll, we'll touch on that more in, in just a moment. Um, so at this point, like they're not going to just put they're not, even if they did kill the rebels, they're not going to just send it straight to the, to, you know, to where the death star is being built. I mean, if I were them, I would, I would do just be 100% certain that this thing could not be tracked. Can I ask you guys a question? You know, now I, yeah, I, I love this episode, but, Thinking about it, if you're the Empire, why wouldn't you just stuff the prisoners in a crystal on a Star Destroyer and not worry about trying to do this whole convoluted plot of smuggling it on a fake civilian freighter and then meeting up with a Star Destroyer later on? I mean, it doesn't really make a lot of how sense. How else would they get infiltrated and later ultimately like have their flame, plans get found out? No, but it's like it's, it's a Bond villain yeah, plot. You, you oh. see, you see that. It, I, to 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 pull to pull what's already been mentioned a couple times. This was a dark helmet move. Okay, dark helmet would have done this. Not you know it's I, I get it. Okay, it should have been on a star destroyer. It should have been done this yeah. way. But they decided to do it this way. I don't know. Part part of it, and also it made for a great yeah, episode. Yeah, I think part of it could make sense. Like I'm sure that whenever they move a, a, a an imperial star destroyer somewhere they're, they've got to have it like tracked and logged somewhere right and so you know if you're really good you could probably track ship movements and get a good idea of what the empire is up to you know like oh wow there's a ton of star destroyers headed over to the ship uh, over to the uh, sector what's know. going on if if they use a civilian uh ship and and kind of transfer this this cargo from one ship to another that looks like a civilian transport then by the time it gets to its final destination they they wouldn't really know like oh i gotta track this random well, like cargo you could, ship you could even probably fit it on a, a like a shuttle like we see later in the episode and just go there and they're not going to be able to track the movements of a single shuttle within the entire imperial fleet that's true because so, it's not actually that big of a thing mm-hmm. you got you got like what half a dozen prisoners and one giant crystal so yeah although I I I want to know how the heck did Saw Gerrera get that Kyber crystal in in the engine room? <laughs> I love the reveal when they wake up and then turn around and it's just there. He, he's, he turns it sideways on the hover dolly. Like, well, it was on a hover sled. Like, how did he get around it, those? It was on a hover yeah, sled. The corners, like Tom, have you ever moved a couch? <laughs> okay, or a table? Yeah, I moved a couch. What he does, it's. I moved a couch. I moved a table. I moved a couch basically up three flights of stairs to a condominium. It was a exactly. pain in the butt. So basically what he does. <laughs> how how yeah, long he, were he they out? At a certain point, he gets through the door. And he was by uh, himself. A couple hours. So he, he gets, it's not impossible. I'm trying oh, to get it's doable. there. He gets it to the door. He runs to the other side. He lifts that side and carefully brings the other side out the door. Then he lays it down, goes to the next door. And he keeps doing that for about, you know, by himself, three hours. I mean, it's doable. Um... You know, like, you know, we were actually joking over the Days. weekend, uh, you know, Stephen's wife, like, 
well, well uh, if you don't mind me saying this, Stephen, while you were gone one day, she like moved this giant living room, our dining that, room that table into true. a different room. It's a and like it's, it, I was it's looking at about like I, four I people on a side, like and it's I don't made know of how like I solid wood thing. and. <laughs> It is enormous and it is heavy, wow. and I don't know how I would have moved it around the corners, let alone like moved it in general. Um, I still don't know how she did it. She used the force. That, that Apparently, is very, she used very the possible. Force. So, <laughs> yeah. So I guess if she could yeah. do it, Sagar. Yeah. So what we've established is that Stephen and Sa need to open a moving company, and forget about the moving company. That's what it's called, <laughs> Stephen and Sa. <laughs> oh, jeez. Steven and Saw's moving company. We use the force. And, and do we have do to like you? reassure people that no, 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 we're not going to saw your furniture in half to get it where we need it to go? <laughs> we, just because we invest in wood glue doesn't mean anything. <laughs> oh, Duct tape. That's great. Duct tape. Uh, Duct yeah. tape. Million and one uses. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, you know, while right before they they move it into the the hyperdrive uh in the engine room uh we get a a, a cool scene with and, and and this is the thing you mentioned earlier where we actually hear uh dt uh, f-16's uh actual voice but she calls and tells captain slavin um to that the the rebels led by saw Guerrera have breached hole six and have taken possession of the cargo and that she uh, that he should alert director krennic at imperial command immediately do very, you think we'll see nice. krennic in rebels I think that, I think it's half a dozen one or another. Depends on the story. I'd say it's definitely possible. I don't. I wouldn't feel confident. You know, I wouldn't make any bets on it. But if they're going to introduce so another back, cameo, that feels like a pretty solid one to do. And and they have hinted that there'll be another villain this season. The one downside is that in an interview with Entertainment Weekly uh, in early September, uh, Filoni did say that. Um, uh, he said, quote, um, you know, I was imagining a shot with Vader and Krennic and the Emperor, but it's like having a cape con- convention with those guys. Then you have Tarkin and Thrawn, and it starts to look like a legion of bad guys. Uh, if you get too many Brazil Star Wars villains together, I don't know if it works. Um, end quote. Um, and yeah, he said it's we unlikely. Don't need the Emperor. We don't need Tarkin again. Krennic, I think, would be an excellent, like, give me Krennic and give me... Uh... Why am I blanking on the name? Grimmie, yeah. Like Krennic and uh, Urso? Uh, Urso would be really cool. Would you, see, would you want to see no, Urso? No, sorry. Like Krennic and Thrawn. Or sorry, Krennic. Not, why? I cannot think. Krennic and thought it would be cool. What I would expect to see is Krennic and Tarkin. As, you know, some of their uh, political battles yeah. kind of playing out over the Death Star with maybe Saw Gerrera getting close. I want to call a shot right now. Just I want you guys to get this on the record. Because it is... I. I I'm going to say 110%. We're going to get a scene with Thrawn talking to Krennic because they're going to want the two brothers to be acting with each other on the show. Uh, Yeah. See, wouldn't that, oh, wouldn't that be cool? I mean, I, I I don't know. The, the, the article makes it sound like Floney is saying Krennic will not show up. Yeah. It's another head. Never trust Floney. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we we also have to have like a Ahsoka has to be showing up at some point this season, right? Uh, they said she was going to come back. They brought her back based on fan feedback. Um, so she's got to. There's be there's soon. the mystic like on Lothal. It looks like arc with the wolves and stuff. She might. She's not a wolf, but she might. <laughs> she might 
tie into that somehow. That'd probably be the easiest way to make her tie in. I don't know. Yeah. True. That's true. Yeah. And so, yeah, so if Filoni does say, you know, name dropping, it, it's it's always fun to make it feel like it's part of a big world, but the cape alone would be half my budget just to make it flow. <laughs> um, You know, so... He, he okay, but they've been able to make hair. So flow. I'm rereading this. A lot of the article said Krennic is not going to be in the season, but rereading this, he never says Krennic is not going to be in the season. So I really no. He just it. implies it heavily and lets you draw the conclusion he wants. I mean, we saw Vader's cape, so like, come on, we could do, we could get some Krennic. I want Krennic. And, and you know what? Put the show out with a bang. Give everybody a cape. Bring in Krennic. Oh, a bang is okay. Okay, hang on. A bang is Vader, a bang is Thrawn or Palpatine, not Krennic. Not Sorry, some... no, a bang is is Brom Titus and Captain Slavin in this episode who both die in explosions. Also true. Oh, that's Horrible, true. Horrible, but true. That's true. Yeah. Poor Captain Slavin, like, he, he we saw him in, in Hera's Heroes uh, when he went up against Hera and her father, and he kind of dies in this episode, too, so... Not it's not been a good uh, a good night for Imperial. The mediocre Imperials are dropping like flies. It's, it's no, yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. Um, uh, uh so you know, obviously, Saw tries to get Canon, uh, not Canon Ezra, Sabine and Ezra to to join him in his search for the super weapon. Join, um, and and I love how like they don't believe him, right? That they don't. There's no guarantee that this thing will exist uh, and that there won't be reinforcements waiting for them. Um, you know, and, and he even, he, he saw asks Ezra what he'd do to save his world, which is a nice callback to Ezra's conversation with Mon Mothma in the first half of the episode. Um, but sure enough, the ship comes out of hyperspace in the Tana sector and there's nothing. Shocker. Shocking. Um, well, what did you expect? Yeah, you win no, some, you exactly. lose some. Yeah, win some, you lose some. Ended up nothing there. So, yeah. so in, in in return, Saw just stabs the Kyber Crystal with Ezra's lightsaber and escapes in the Ewing with Ezra two tubes. At least he uncuffed Ezra and Sabine. That's nice of him. <laughs> to start, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a start, but how are they going to get out of there? Because if I do remember correct, the Imperials basically got rid of. All the escape pods. Yep. And then realize at the last minute, oops, the Kyber crystal is going to explode. We made a mistake. Yeah. Well, thankfully, that's why they have the extra Lambda class shuttle on board. Convenient. That's very true. Which they can steal as soon as they, the Kyber crystal, which is now becoming unstable, shoots Commander DT F 16 and her stormtroopers. Um, which was it, vaguely venom, uh, reminiscent of uh, of the Duchess from the last episode, mm-hmm. um, which causes them to retreat toward the ship. Of course, which doesn't end well because they all meet at the at the at the uh, Imperial shuttle, and Ezra very quickly takes down um, the 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 Death Troopers and the other Stormtroopers. To to your point, Pete, uh, these guys are definitely not as dangerous as the ones we see in. Or a Jedi is really pretty awesome, I guess, compared to not quite a Jedi. <clears throat> these, these guys are the C yeah. team. 
Yeah. Sounds about right. They 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 really now, they really are. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this yeah. is the first time we've actually seen the Lambda class shuttle on in the show, right? Because we've seen other shuttles, but it's not this model. You know, I was I was wondering that. I my initial gut reaction was yes, but then I thought, well, maybe we did see the Lambda class shuttles like <clears throat> earlier in season two with like didn't we see it with like Leia? I don't and... think so because it was like the rounder. It had like a rounder it body on it. I think it was a different. Oh, it might have been the larger yeah. one. I think. That's a good oh, question. You're right. That is a good question because I'm trying to think. Hmm. Yeah. It, you know what? It might have been. Cool. Yeah. You know what? Yeah, you're right. In the name of the rebellion was its first appearance. Score. So okay. <laughs> you were right. Tell your sister. God. Okay. So once you know, one. I think the set for the second time in this two-parter, the rebels basically destroy uh, an entire well, an imperial ship is taken out, um, not because the ship itself was blown up, but because it was too close to something else that was exploding. Uh, yeah, but not a good mm-hmm. day for the Empire. No, learn to like don't park no. so closely to explosive <laughs> stuff. I don't know. Uh, yeah, give yourself you some know, distance. Which, don't which look brings up the real good point. Distance, Vader should be yeah. very, yeah, it, very happy that like when he captured the Tanative Four, it didn't just like blow up in his face. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Because uh, then we all know his Star Destroyer would have been uh, taken out immediately. Um. I wonder though, like, is it? Shouldn't these ships be harder to take out? Yes. Oh, actually. Okay. Sorry. Yes, this, but this, you remind me of something that I wanted to talk about uh, when we were watching the episode, particularly. Sorry, in the first episode, uh, I lot of credit to them for showing multiple hits on the ghost and on the tie defenders and having shields actually like intercepting the blasts. I was mm, like, yes. I complained yes. about that before. I was super excited to see that. Like, oh, they did it. That's awesome. Uh, promptly ruined by both of these massive ships getting like blown up. By... <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, we now wait so a minute. Okay, this last one though, it was a kyber crystal that took it out. It was basically I, sucking in all the energy I that know, was on the transport. I know. And it was, I know, I know. It's and also, as I always say, suspension of disbelief, because you got to look at it this way. Hera was able to use, if it wasn't for that Star Destroyer, basically, and the Kyber Crystal going supernova, she wouldn't have been able to use the Star Destroyer to block partial of the Kyber Crystal wave to at least save them from being, you know, vaporized like the Star Destroyer and the transport with the Kyber Crystal. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. There you go. Got to defend it. Okay, so am, am I crazy, or was the explosion of the ship kind of almost seemed reminiscent of the Death Star explosion. That makes sense. Well, yes. Because like, it had a little I bit of the ring in it. Didn't it? No, I did. Which which would make sense because it's a kyber crystal powering it and the kyber crystal is what blew up in this case. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I like the little touches. I don't know. Maybe it was intentional, but that was the... That's what reminded me, at least. Uh, All right. I'll give it to you. I'm actually... Grudgingly. Actually, now... Rewatching part of A New Hope now just to watch the explosion, but 
to be fair, after finishing from a certain point of view, I did immediately go and watch A New Hope. <laughs> How can you not? Exactly. Um, of course, as soon as the ship explodes, the ghost is disabled. Because uh, and I like how they tried to put the put the star destroyer in between the ghost and the explosion. Not the ghost. Try to help not, soften not it. The ghost. Sorry, not the ghost. The the, the, the lambda, lambda shuttle. Um, but Ezra sheepishly raised the ghost through the viewport again. <laughs> and Hera's arriving just... arrival was a bit convenient. Oh, did I get that mixed up? Yeah, it was the lambda class shuttle. Oh, I thought it was the ghost. Sorry, it's all your fault, Tom. Oh. Yeah, that's okay. Um, so I guess you know the the episode ends with the rebels back on the ghost, and you know obviously they they're wondering like is Saw right about the Empire trying to weaponize this crystal? Because um, it's it's the second one they've stopped the Empire from having so far, uh, and you know maybe they're losing a war that they don't even know has begun yet. For those of you wondering what that first Kyber crystal was. Um, in the season one episode, Breaking Ranks, Ezra and Zare Leonis infiltrated the Imperial Academy on Lothal to steal an Imperial decoder with the location of a powerful Kyber crystal. And so that's the first one they prevented from the Empire from getting. So what do you guys think? Do do you think we'll we'll see more of the Death Star connections this season? Uh, we will we, will we get closer? I would think so. They absolutely we have how to. close do you think we'll get? As close as they will be allowed to do. Which if you if you had to guess, what do you think that would be? I I don't know if we're gonna see Rogue One in I don't know in this. Like I don't think I'll we'll see it from the the perspective of the ghost, although that would be amazing. I wonder if we're gonna get like one of the final scenes after everything that's happened, Harry, you know, returns to Yavin and lands. And then maybe they hear, you know, she hears over the calm, you know, there's a Ewing there. You see maybe Cassian and Jin walking towards it. You hear the line about, Hey, you know, general Sindula to the, the briefing room, please. Or something like that. I don't know. It, I, that would be pretty cool. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say it. It's as, as far as close to Rogue One as, let's say, Lucas or Filoni wants to get. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how far they get with it and, and how close they I, get to it. I Literally, at this point in the season, I have no idea. I, just, I, 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 I could guess either yeah. way, and I'd be totally wrong. So I, have, I absolutely have no idea where yeah. they're going with that. Yeah. Well, according to Dave Filoni, it was never a goal to have Rebels line up so closely with, uh, you know, like Rogue One and, and some of the films. But things just worked out when they were talking to Gareth Edwards and John Knoll about, about Rogue One. Because like, oh, Yavin's a hub and it would make sense that Lothal Rebels would go there and be more connected with the Death Star. So I, I hope, I really hope we'll get even closer. Because I think that's one of the most exciting things about the series right now is how, how like, close, and they can never discover it. Or maybe they do and they're killed. That would actually be, probably be more heartbreaking in some ways. Like they find the Death Star, and then they don't make it out. And you're like, no, <laughs> uh, no. Darth Vader chops them to pieces. I don't know. Darth Vader actually succeeds this time. You know, with you know, the the hope theme plays, and Vader actually takes them out. That's why in Rogue One he's like, oh, this again. 
<laughs> anyway. Uh, we better stop before I, uh, I drag this down any further. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tom, what would you yeah. rate this episode? Um, well, I'm going to rate it on the scale of both okay. of them. Um, yeah, sorry. When I say episode, I mean two-parter. Yeah. Um, you know what? I'm going to give it an 8.5. Uh, I am 8.5. It was, as I said at the beginning, I think for me, the biggest thing about it was is you start to see more of Saw Guerrero going down, going off the edge, going toward you know his his craziness. And I love that interaction between Saw and Mon Mothma in the first episode where he was actually pushing Mon Mothma with the specific reason of getting her to argue and yell, basically. Um, and the thrill that he got out of it, which I found very fascinating. Um, so I am going to take my 8.5 Womp Rats. Ah, what am I going to do with them? It's always a tough question. Um, I know, because we have we have... If somebody were to take the time and find out how many we have, between each of us over I these years of the podcast, have tortured. Yeah, I wouldn't want to either. So scratch that, reverse it. Not going to happen. Um, I am going to take my 8.5 Womp Rats. You know, it really wasn't Chopper who was the one that was moving that big dish. It was actually the Womp Rats that were running from one side and then they'd run to the other side. So whenever Sabine said, Chopper, move, it was basically Chopper telling the Womp Rats, okay, you're on this side, now run over to this side. And it was the weight of them that was actually moving. Wow, that's impressive. So, yeah, most impressive. Um, that's what they were doing. Okay. So, yeah. And then they were the 8.5 that pushed those stormtroopers off the side. So, had to throw that in there. Okay. So, there you are. Okay. Um, Steven, you okay. go next. So I think I'll have to give this an eight out of ten. Womp rats, uh, definitely a solid episode. I think I enjoyed it a little bit more than last week. Uh, I I like this kind of moral dilemma that the show's kind of exploring with uh, Saw Gerrera and you know the rest of the Rebel Alliance, and I'm definitely excited to see kind of where they decide to take this. If this is a, I hope it's a recurring theme because it's definitely one of the more interesting questions the crew kind of has to face at this point. Uh, but you know, it's interesting. So Tom, you had an eight and a half womp rats that were controlling the dish. And I have another eight womp rats. Uh, turns out they're actually the same womp rats. The problem is they tilted the dish a little too far. And you know, how, like lemmings will sometimes mm -hmm. like, you know, that when they, they'll like roll when they get, you know, scared or whatever, uh, just eight womp rats rolling down that giant dish until they're off the edge. They don't. I'm not going to say they died. It's totally possible that they had jetpacks and they could have used them if they remembered, or, you know, something. But just one, two, three, four, all just kind of bouncing so down they, along and off they go. Jetpack, kind of like, kind of like ski ball, actually. <laughs> that just picture ski okay. ball with womp rats, and you're pretty much there. Okay, that works. Great. I could live with that. Okay. Pete, why don't you go next? Um, William, we're going to save you for I, last. I really enjoyed this episode. I think this is, um, as much as I'm sort of a Mandalorian uh, fanboy, I think this these episodes are much more in the show's wheelhouse. They're much better able to handle this kind of subject matter. Um, and so I thought these were really well-executed episodes. And I would have to give them uh, a nine. 
And I would say that the the nine Wamprats, they were at Yavin base, but they were swayed by Saw's speech and decided to join up with the Partisans. Ooh. And they made it all the way to Jeddah. Ooh. And then they got obliterated by the Death Star. Oh, poor guys. Oh. Sad. But uh, not surprised. No. I don't know what it is. Womp Rats just seem to be if really unlucky. Yeah. Uh, who who knows yeah. why that's the case? <laughs> I don't know. Well, maybe those nine Womp Rats also kept Moogula company. I hear he'll know the truth. <laughs> you know. All right, uh, William. Tell us okay, all about William. it. Yeah, William, you're up. But, you know, I, again, I I have to agree with you guys. This was a, a really great episode. I love the interaction with I love Saw Gerrera and then all the connections with the Death Star and Project Stardust. Uh, I hope we get more of these uh, as we continue on throughout the season. Um, and I I, I love the scene with the Death Troopers in, in the smoke and a, lo- a lot of really really well done. Uh, moments and, and a lot of humor as well. So um, I think I'm going to give this uh, nine uh, Womp Rats out of ten. And you know, like we said, the, the Death Troopers are, are are hard to take out. And so in that scene with this with all the smoke where they're where they're you know sneaking through, the reason they were able to take out the Death Troopers so easily is because you had the want they had nine Womp Rats running along the ground too. They were able to kind of uh, jump, pull pull their legs down. So it wasn't mm. just our uh, you know. Uh, Ezra and Sabine and 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 um, and saw it was the nine Wamprats by their side as well. So that's that's that. Um, you know, I I hope I hope we see more of the rest of the Ghost crew. Like we've gotten a little bit of Kane and a little bit of Hera, hardly any Zeb so far. So hope hopefully this day they'll they'll rectify that over the next couple of episodes including what we have next week tom we'll, 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 we have episodes yeah, coming we'll, next we'll, week. do we have next oh that's right well let's see next week we're going to be doing uh next week actually we'll be airing uh season four episodes five and six uh episode five is the occupation this is when ezra and the ghost crew are called back to lethal when a new imperial threat arises and then episode six, Flight of the Defender. Hmm. Hmm. Wonder what that means. Ezra and Sabine steal an Imperial prototype TIE fighter, but must rely on some unexpected help to escape from Thrawn. So we have the return of Thrawn, and it looks like we may be getting um, a TIE Defender Love again. Oh, I can't Love say it. no to Although that. Interesting. So. Interestingly, they do say Ezra and well, Sabine again. So again, hopefully we'll get a little bit more of the Ghost Crew. Yeah. But we'll see. We will. There's see. something between Ezra and Sabine. They're building yeah, to something. Definitely go check out the clips they've released. Looks fantastic. I cannot wait to watch these episodes. Can't wait yeah. to see them. Um, with that, Pete, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, it's always a pleasure having you on to talk about uh, talk about Rebels. Uh, thank you guys for having me. On. It's always a pleasure to to do this. I I love talking Star Wars, and I love talking Star Wars with you guys. It's always a lot of fun. There's always some different interesting perspectives, um, and lots of oh, lots thanks. of genocide committed Thank against Wamprats. So there's that. <laughs> Wamprat <laughs> genocide. Yeah. I was no. going to try and refute it, but... I, I hate to say this. It's true. I'm getting to the point to where we, we've been doing this up. We've been doing the show for almost 10 years now, and 
I think at some point we're going to have to give these little guys a bit of a break. I mean, they are cute I'm and fuzzy. I'm pretty sure in that final episode of We Talk Club, and... we gave them a slight break. I feel like we sent them on vacation or something and then came back and started killing them again. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, um, you, 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 would, you didn't let me finish because I was going to go. Oh, nah. <laughs> much better. I, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like nah. said, but no, we're having yeah. too much fun. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, but Pete, how, how can people find you online? Because you you do a lot um, of great I'm stuff. I'm generally floating around. Uh, you can go to rebelsreport.com. There's going to be some content this season for rebels up there. We got some reviews going up. I'll have some commentaries going up as the season goes on. Um, and you can follow me on Twitter. Is probably the best way at the Pete Awakens. And you'll find a lot of Star Wars, a lot of pop culture, a lot of current events talk. So you know, I'm not really shy about sharing my opinion. Um, so feel free to disagree with me or feel free to agree with me and we'll just have a lot of fun. Love it. Love it. Well, as always, cool. thanks again for joining us. We'll have to have you back on uh, again soon. Um, and we'll be back next week with our review of the Occup- occupation and flight of the Defender. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your reviews will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. You can visit our website, IonCannonCast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at IonCannonCast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans for fans and is copyright 2017.